I am now apparently recording. Okay. Let's hope so. I suppose it's sort of like, say, hello, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Okay, right. Well, it's worth recording anyway, so I'll, I'll do I'll do like a, a, well, a hello and welcome bit and let's see how it works. Okay. And I'm going to try and derail everything. That's absolutely fine. Right, okay. Cool. Welcome to our podcast. Fuck out. <laughs> This is going to work well. Um, fine. Okay. <clears throat> la, 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 la. Keep that bit. Welcome to the podcast. Linear Quigley. I hate my lipstick. <laughs> Welcome to... No, Hello. you go. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of this podcast, Smells of Death, which was going to be called Linear Quigley Ate My Lipstick, but she never replied to my DM on Twitter, and so we had to go with the alternative. Um, we are Dave and Steve, and we live in different places, and we're going to talk about a different type of film uh, once a month or so. We're going to pick a theme. Um, this time, I picked the theme, I picked the first film, and then Steve picked the other two films, and that's how we're going to try and do it. It's going to be a shambles. We fucking know, oops, we're swearing. Are we allowed to swear? We are allowed to swear. YouTube loves this particular subject. David picked Nazis. Yes, uh, so episode one is going to be about Nazis or Nazi films, but not nasty ones like... Um, Love Camp 7, um, fun 90s Nazis, where, actually, no, not 90s Nazis, 2000s, noughties Nazis, as opposed to the ones where it's, you know, just like torture and stuff. Um, so, yeah, we're going to see how it goes. This is the first one. Um, it, it could be a complete arse of a thing, but um, it, is. it, it really is. Let's, um, let's see what happens. So the, the three films, uh, should we tell them what the three films are first, or should we just do the first film and then... No, I think, do we need to do a spoiler alert? Because I'm fucking spoiling everything. Well, the, I mean, the, the films are, they're all from around the same time and they're all well over 10 years old. So, no, I don't think so. On the basis, I mean, they're, they're going to be spoiled. So when we say what the films are, if you haven't seen them and you really want to see them and you don't want to know what happens, this is the oh, wrong God. place to be. Um, but they are all like, they're not like fresh off, fresh off the internet, fresh in the cinemas. They're all from... 2008, 2009. So, yeah, and they're all of varying quality and they've all got different stars. And... <laughs> right. Different stars in them, like films have. Exactly. And different people and made by different people. Um, yeah. Right, fine. And people doing acting. Well, that's questionable, but we'll see how, yeah. um, we'll see how it goes. So, Episode one of this podcast smells of death. This podcast smells of Nazis. Hooray! Film number one. Film number one is Outpost from 2008, directed by Steve Barker. And it's got a 5.8 on IMDb. I don't know how, um, but fair enough. Um, yeah. Film two. Uh, Blood Creek. Film two will Had be you Blood heard of it? I'd never heard of it. Um, Blood Creek from 2009, directed by Joel Schumacher, nonetheless, who's directed like it's Batman films Batman. and shit. Yes, Nippy Batman. And I've never heard of that one before, so that was um, that was a new one. Um, those were Steve's picks. Well, actually, one was going to be Frontier, but we had problems with that, so maybe we'll do that when it comes to. Maybe we'll do French films or something. Um, and the final third film is Dead Snow, which you've probably all seen from 2009, directed by Tommy Vercola. And it's which, Norwegian. It is, is Norwegian. It? Cool. See? Trivia. Yeah, <laughs> that's the sort of facts you're going to get from here. Stuff you won't get off IMDb. Um, Outpost. Okay, let's just start talking about Outpost anyway. Um, so, you, you, I mean, well, you've seen these before. Film number one, Outpost. Outpost, 5.8 on IMDb, 2008, one hour, 30 minutes long, trivia. Starring Titus, Titus, starring Titus Pullo from Rome, Tyres from Spaced, Doomhead from 31, um, uh, Richard Brake 
the sort of slightly okay. sinister American one. Yeah, he's in he's I in Three um, from Hell he's as well. Like... Um, so yes, yeah, so I, I I saw this I think sort of around when it came out, but I think it was on like a dodgy copy off the internet because I used to do that, but I don't anymore. So I hadn't seen it for like ten years. I watched it this afternoon. It's all right. Um, I I'm pretty sure I fucking watched that a long time ago, but I didn't record. I didn't remember anything until the end. And no, that bit came back. I'm wondering if it's just one of those films I watched drunk, maybe. I think yeah, I sort of remembered. I didn't remember really anything about what happened and how it happened. Uh, I remembered some images, maybe, um, and I sort of remembered the the sort of slightly mute, half dead German bloke who's who's there, but not very much. Um, there's a sequel. Two. Two sequels. Okay. There is. Is it Rise of Spet Snaps or something like that? I think is that one. That's the, that's the third one. Oh right. Okay. Uh, I've got it written down. Yes, second one, Black Sun. Third one, Rise of the Spetsnaz. Right, okay. I'm not sure I've seen all of those. Um, um, Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. What was it about? Who's going to do a synopsis? Well, basically, and this is not like just taken from anywhere. So there's a team of a ragtag band of mercenaries. How they got together, I don't know, because you've got like an Irish bloke, a slightly dubious African bloke, couple of Americans, some English blokes, whatever. But anyway, they apparently got recruited in a bar by a man who's in Eastern Europe who wants some protection while he goes searching for minerals. That's it. Yeah. That's basically how it opens up with these. They're, they're in a truck going to, uh, he's a mineral surveyor um, and he wants some, some help and some protection from some mercenaries because, of course, minerals are, well, I think they think it's gold, so they're like, oh, we'll, we'll protect him. Um, and in some um, some underground bunkers, and so they they go to some some underground bunkers, um, and hijinks ensue. Yes, hilarity ensues. <laughs> when you'd seen it, what was it about? Okay, that fucking they went down there to find a machine. Well, uh, uh, we find this out after part way through. We, they in the first is minerals, then they suspect it might be Nazi gold, which yes. is going to be a theme. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out to be a machine. And what does the machine do? First, it's a power source. Then it can bend space and time. Then it can make super soldiers. Then it can make things invisible. And then it can <laughs> Nazis. It would appear that the Nazis were pursuing infinite field theory. Okay. Um, so it was some sort you of machine. I, I don't, I, I mean, I mean, I, I don't think we need to explain infinite field theory. Anyone listening to this is going to know about infinite field theory. Um, but I think you summed it up quite well. It's something that can kind of bend space and time so that, I don't know, the theme kind of running through this is, is, these, is that it's the Nazis were pissing around with the occult to try and find ways to win the war. And this but one... This trying to make it scientific. Yeah, this one somehow, if they got this machine working and they were doing experiments on people, it would mean that they could kind of just appear and disappear in weird places, kind of Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen sort of thing, um, in that it would be like that and they'd sort of become weird stuff and then they'd appear suddenly on the battlefield, I think. It, it wasn't clear. Um, yeah, I'm, not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, yeah, how, how this would actually let them they would win the war with this with this machine. I don't think they were sure either. Um, but that was what they were trying to do. And this guy's found it. He's got some backers, some finance backers. Um, because was he trying to win the war? What, why was he? What was he going to do? Some people were going to use this theory so they could take over the world. That was never quite clear what they were going to do with it. Mm, I didn't get that. I got the impression it was just there was a new technology here and someone was going to make billions of it. He's going to get a good cut. Right, fine. I think it was just a financially driven endeavor. I believe that's what I took from it. I don't think there was any super villain world. So, but do you, I mean, I, I guess he must have thought that the, the nefarious mineral surveyor guy must have thought he's probably going to come up against possibly some like some Nazis, some undead Nazis, which is why he needed the help. Do you think he knew that? I thought it was just because it was in the middle of a war. Ah, that's a good point. 
Because at first, war, 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 this happened during. It just said no because it opens with a title card just saying "Present Day Eastern Europe, Present Day." Right. So it's clever because like it can be any time. But then mm. I think because um, when they they come under attack, or sort of come under attack, they're they're not very good mercenaries for one because they're while the guys in the bunker trying to find the machine, or whatever, two or three of them are outside making sure it's all all right. And one sort of seems to think that maybe he sees someone. And so they just start shooting randomly in the woods by the looks of things with no self-discipline or whatever, um, because they sort of think they've come under attack, but they're not quite sure why. And he thinks it's just another group of people that are trying to get his machine at this point. Yeah. And also from what he says, it sounds like if he, doesn't live up to his commitments of getting his machine, these big industry business type people are going to kill his family. So, uh, yeah, I think he's got himself in, I think he's promised stuff and he's got himself in. Ah, victory. yes, because he does say something about they'll come after your family or your families first if they can't do it or whatever. But when they get into the underground caverns, they, <laughs> the, this is so weird because they stumble across like a pile of bodies, but only when they, literally can see them and are like one feet away do they notice that there's a massive pile of bodies and then one of them starts retching and gagging and stuff and that so there's no smell obviously until they can see them and then suddenly yeah. they smell that was a bit odd and, and yeah and i didn't really understand who those people were supposed to be i think people that experimented on I, that, yeah, I, I think they were they were people that they were experimenting on because they were all like sort of they they were naked or pretty much naked or they weren't wearing like prop they were from what I can remember, and that was the weird thing because the Nazis because some Nazis obviously do eventually there's a some Nazis attacking them and they're all fully uniformed up, but the people they were doing experiments on because he finds a video of like them doing some experiments and those people they're doing experiments on are all like in like loincloths and stuff and yet the Nazis that come back and attack them are all like fully in their uniforms. So that didn't really make sense. And were those people that had been experimented on, were they from the 1940s and they'd been alive for like a million years? Well, only one of them seemed to be alive, only because that's the thing, because they find what they look like dead bodies, and one of them's alive, who's like a German. Eventually in the video, they see him. He was like one of the commanders who was doing the experiments, but he just sits there quietly like looking ominous for a while i mean when the nazis finally sort of when they show up and they start appearing and take picking people off and that they look right they look quite good from a distance so when you see them sort of in the trees and the way they kind of stand and move it's quite they, they sort of look like quite quite good i quite like their yeah. gait. you like what their gait like the way they kind of stand and move right they looked all right i was unsure what they were supposed to be. Were they ghosts? Were they zombies? Were they super soldiers that had been experimented on? I mean, do the sequels clarify this at all? I, I haven't, I don't... Uh, I haven't seen the sequel. I, I mean, I, I kind of came out of this, and when it finished, I looked at what I'd written down, and I thought, oh, nothing I've written down really kind of explains exactly what anyone was, what they were doing how they managed to do what they were doing or how it was going to, what was going to happen next. It felt <clears> like <throat> there were some gaps. Uh, it felt, yeah, I, I don't get the impression that they really knew what they were trying to achieve. They just wanted a zombie fucking Nazis. Mm. And yeah, it was fun. I'm not going to take that away from it. It was fun. It was quite good fun when it got going. I didn't think that the, the guy, the, the, the ragtag band of mercenaries didn't really have a lot of, like, chemistry or anything i didn't find if they're considering they'd been together they didn't seem to they weren't very good and they didn't seem no. to like really gel you didn't really give a shit about them and the Do one an established team or were they just people picked well, and put into a team there's one reference where they say like they picked this up in, in a bar so you get the feeling that they they've been there but then they do spend quite a lot of the time sort of talking to each other about things they'd done when they were younger which suggests they maybe didn't really know each other but they all seem to look up to the bloke from rome um as like their leader and they've all got like na numbers and names and stuff and that so it seems the bloke like from rome is volstag from thor 
Oh, yeah, he's in that as well, isn't he? Yeah, I, I know him for his tightest puller. He is also from Thor. People might probably know him from Thor a bit more. Because there's the few times when they try and sort of establish them as characters. Because so like tires from Spaced, Michael Smiley, everyone. He's always plays the same character. He's he's good. I like him in that. But he's always the sort of slightly slightly cynical, wisecracking Irishman kind of person in that. Um, How did you find him in this? I wondered what he was doing in it. Yeah, I found him really out of place, overacting. Yeah. I found him quite annoying by the end because he's he's a I like him in stuff he's normally very good and in this I didn't really see why he was there it seemed like he was between jobs and so they offered him this and he took it I wish he'd just done some little dancing thing <laughs> he'd done like a rave dance but <laughs> the weird thing as well when they when the, the when they try and establish because they talk to the um I must call him by his name Cotter not Token the um the 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 Ooh. apparently African character and that welcome back they established that yeah he says at one point and this he says he held his first ak-47 when he was five do the voice i'm not sure it doesn't come out right no i've done it before it'll come out welsh pakistani like it normally does um no, I'm not going to do the voice. I might do the voice later. I'll do the Norwegian voice later. But he, said, look, he says he held his first AK-47-5, fired it at nine, and he got his first clean kill at 15. That's rubbish. So there's four years. So he picked one up when he was five, and then he didn't fire it for four years, and he didn't kill anyone for six years. Yeah, I wouldn't hire him. That's not an efficient child soldier. Well, that's why he's just a mercenary. I suppose. I think that's why people become mercenaries because they're not very good in the army. <laughs> yeah. So he thought, fuck it. I mean, I'm not that good as with a gun. I'll have a go at mercenary um, because there's not many people that look like me as mercenaries. And that way um, I'll probably get like, get on a squad for tokenism. And I've really nailed this accent. And like me, what was refreshing, there wasn't a single woman in the entire film, in the entire cast, I even looked in the cast, and there's not a single woman listed in the cast in IMDb. That means that it means absolutely nothing whatsoever. And anybody who actually watches a film just to like enjoy a film wouldn't give a flying fuck that there were no women involved whatsoever. The only people that care about that are people that are trying to impress women or trying to sort of you know get in with like the the younger, slightly more politically correct crowd. Um, it didn't matter that yeah. there were no women. This was a film about some mercenaries and some Nazis, there were no roles for women. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, so you, so some people would bleat and they'd be like, oh, I wouldn't, uh, there's no women. So it didn't need any women. I thought this was going to be a, a, a sensible, politically correct cast. <laughs> some of this may need to go the way of the edit. I didn't notice because, not because I'm a feminist, not because I'm a... Uh, a chauvinist, just because I watched it because I wanted to watch a film. Exactly. That's, that's crudely, that's my point. <laughs> that's essentially what I'm saying, is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, um, if a film is, has, is all women, all men, some men and some women. There are some films where it doesn't really matter. And this is one of them. I have got one spectacular thought about okay. the film. I have to write down. Yeah. So, Ray Stevenson. Volstagg, the guy from Rome, the main Titus character. Pullo, yeah. Everyone else is in like army camo gear, and he's just wearing a really nice sweater. <laughs> <laughs> this and is a good point. did you pay attention to the nice sweater? No. I've got a, the kind of thing that he was wearing is known as a Guernsey. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Guernsey it had a collar. Yeah. It was a big thing with a collar. It looked like a fisherman would wear it. Had that weird pattern. Maybe it Is was. A... They tend to be, yeah, they're basically, they're normally blue. I don't think his was blue, but they don't have to be blue. But they're basically a thick, really uncomfortable, itchy, scratchy yeah. jumper that no one would wear in modern With weird stripes of circular-ish patterns. Yeah, that's too, um, uh, I don't know. But um, no, they're horrible things. No one would wear one unless they, you know, traditionalists might wear one, Morris dancers or something, but no one would wear one in real life unless they... I think, actually, there was a Wear a Guernsey charity day over here recently. Ah, oh, fuck that. <laughs> they're really expensive as well. They're like 90 quid. Right. Because they're all handmade. If you're going to lead a red tag team of mercenaries, you need to be warm. 
and itchy. It would appear so. And he would have been very warm and also very itchy. I, I, I didn't notice that. That's um, I lose local cred points. But yeah, I mean, to be honest, so I watched it. I watched it this afternoon. It was all right. Um, it was for good parts of the first 45 minutes. There wasn't really a lot happening. And I know that happens quite a lot in films, but it didn't really it wasn't like we were getting to like really care about the characters or anything. It was just a little bit kind of slow. And then it was kind of all right. Um, when the Nazis kill people, they were quite savage. They they sort of shoved things in their heads and stabbed them many times. And they were you know, when it got gory and violent, it was quite gory and violent. Um, but yeah, it, was it was forgettable. I, I, I would rate it as entertaining. I don't think they were 100% sure of what the story was supposed to be. I still don't know if they were ghosts or Nazis. Or... No. I mean, uh, the fact that I watched it, 10 years ago and this was the second time I'd watched it and I probably won't watch it again but I don't feel that I've lost 90 minutes that I'll never get back or anything like that it was all right I'd like to watch the sequels too yeah probably Probably (laughs) in in 10 years time I'll watch Black Sun or whatever it's called anyway um so that's um that's Outpost that's film number one um so I've got a I've got a a rating system designed okay for the specific podcast we haven't pre-discussed this so that's fine okay um i give it a i give it a a himmler out of 10. now is this based on uh, sort of superiority in the ranks of the nazi regime and most most notable in history right okay but it's only but it's only out of three Right. You know, there's only three films, and there, imagine there are only three films in the world, and it's these three. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know about this, so I've got to think. I mean, obviously, it's not it's not Hitler. Hitler's Hitler's the best, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That'll be so that. that's gonna, yeah. That's being cut. That's just going to be that's going to be the tagline that's going to come out every time. No, so I guess the. <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about. Well, no Nazis fit with. Oh God! If it was brilliant, it would be it would be Hitler. I would have thought yes. next best is probably Goring, Hermann Goring. What have you got? Goebbels. You got Hitler, Goebbels, Goering, Himmler. Is that the Red it? Skull. <laughs> That's the four that I can. The bloke out of um, Marathon Man, their vice angle. That Marathon Man. Um, I wouldn't. I don't know. I, I don't know what the rating system is. I don't know how to score this in terms of which Nazi it is. I would say it's one who was probably you know got stuff done and then fled to South America. Um, he never wrote a book. You probably wouldn't. Not a name that you would know, but if you were around at the time, you would have heard his name. Yep, yeah, I think that's a perfect rating for this film. <laughs> Let's do the next one. Film number two. Blood Creek. Blood Creek from 2009, directed by none other than Mr. Joel Schumacher. Of... Which surprised me. I'm yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd never heard of this film. Right. I mentioned it and I was like, huh? And I looked it up and I bought the DVD for like £2.30 off Amazon. And I, I mentioned on Twitter when I watched it, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch something called Blood Creek. And at least two, two people came back and were like, oh, that's great. Well, that's good fun. And I was like, oh, okay. I, I don't know how this had completely slipped my net. Um, yeah. But it was a, okay, let's give this a go. Um, it stars the shit actor brother from Prison Break. Um, White head. Yeah, uh, not the... Um, not the, the other one. Um, uh Henry Cavill, who some people might know from Hellraiser, Hellworld. Um, yeah, I think that's what he's most famous for. Yeah, I think that that's that's what he's probably known from. Um, <laughs> Michael Fassbender in what is clearly an early role. I this yeah, uh, what the fuck is going on with the cast of this film? Yeah. And just leap slightly ahead, uh, slightly ahead at the start, it's him. It's Michael Fassbender, and he's him. The character later on becomes like a weird killing Nazi thing. And it's still him. It's not like it's someone else. It's him. Because there's, no, yeah. there's no one else listed. So this is an incredible I I'd never heard of this, the him doing this. I can understand uh, a bad actor from Prison Break. I can understand um going from 
Hellraiser Hell World to this. Um, but Fassbender, that was a shocker. There was a woman in this one. Yes. Yes, there was. This is... Um... Oh, I don't know. I didn't look her up. Have you? Have you? Do you have some kind of device available where we could find out if she was in other things? I don't know if such a thing exists. Uh, I could look. For, I might have a book. Maybe I've got a book of films somewhere. If you can wait like half an hour, there's a library just down here. Maybe they have I some old, old newspapers or something. I can. So, um, brief. Emma Booth. Ah, yes. Now I do remember because her name popped up. And I thought, thank fuck it's not Emily Booth, because she's bad acting. Um, but the name she did seem... Emily Booth wouldn't be hanging around with fucking Magneto. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is true. This film brings together Superman and Magneto. This is the first crossover. This is the first X-Men DC... Well, they're both all DC. This is one of these DC crossovers, then. They're not all DC. X-Men and Marvel. Well, oh, sort of. This is yes, That's what I meant. This, this is the Marvel bit. DC crossover. This is the bit of the podcast that is going to send the internet on fire. <laughs> this, is, this is Superman <laughs> and Magneto together on screen, but like probably before and Bloke from Prison Break. Yeah. And um, Emma Booth. And, and the guy from Grave Dances. I don't know about that it's the guy with the wide head again right oh is he in okay right fine dominic yeah. Purcell. yes right um so anyway, anyway um, basic so, give us a basic well, summary of the film i'm doing a basic summary yeah, I reckon, yeah if it's shit i'll do one I've, I've, I've watched it a couple of times before and it just seemed completely different when i watched it some guy got kidnapped to to to, to feed a vampire Nazi <laughs> girl and he went back, he escaped, found his brother, and they're like, let's go fuck him up. And they went back, and and there was a, there was a demon. <laughs> I think you, you did the so, synopsis. Um, in the 1930s, the um, Nazis sent um, uh, emissaries to a number of farms in America, where there were Nordic rune stones in order to find the rune stones and use them uh, to kind of, to eventually win the war, take over the world. Um, so it starts off in 1930s. Michael Fassbender shows up. I've been sent by the Nazis to your farm. Here's like five Deutschmarks so I can stay here for a bit and look at your stones. Um, look at your stones. Yeah, and then everyone's like, oh, that's all right. Yeah. And then suddenly cut to modern times um, and um, Superman is um, lives with his dad and he went fishing with his brother. His brother disappeared and his brother's come back and he's like, get all your guns. Let's get all the guns. Get two days worth of guns and we're going to go to this farm. And he's like, yeah, all right. That's about it, I think. That's pretty much... <laughs> And then hilarity ensues. Yeah, for the first 20 minutes, it kind of jumps around and you're like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm not sure. Are we in... Is this just happening now? Are we showing that he's just been kidnapped? Why the fuck was he kidnapped? Uh, yeah. are, we, are we back where he was kidnapped? Has he just shown up? Um, has he gone fishing? Has he come back from Iraq? Let's just get to the fucking farm. Ignore all that shit. Take a load of guns. But yeah, the first 15 minutes or so are... are a bit I don't really know what's going on I liked it but I liked it because it felt so out of place hmm. it was not your traditional build up to a we're trapped in a building fucking horror it was a weird we're out for revenge it was almost it was almost that French film it reminded me a bit of that Martyrs Martyr. yes that's yeah. the point actually yeah because you kind of his brother basically disappears. His brother comes back, comes back, wakes him up, says, "Come with me. Get all your guns, some food, and that. Come with me. We're going to go and we need to go and get revenge." And he's like, "What? Hey, what? You've you've been gone for two years. What? Where the fuck?" They get to the farm, and you don't really know quite why or what or when at that point what's going on. You just accept that. Let's get some guns. We have to go and get revenge. And it's only 
afterwards that you then it sort of works out. I mean, you figure that it must be something to do with the opening scenes with Fassbender and the Stones, but yeah. you don't quite understand what. And also, to be fair, by the end of the film, you still don't really know why they kidnapped him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to get to that, but I'm going to get to that later. Okay, because there was a very there was a turning point in the film for me. Um, right. At about, I'm going to say halfway through, where it just changed. See, I th- what I did quite like is certainly at first, um, and certainly in the, during this first section, and when they they show up to the farm, you still don't quite know why they're there. You don't know what's going on. They they sort of get um, there's people at the farm, and they have a bit of a shootout, and they're attacking people, and it's there's lots of good. Um, it's shot very well at that point. There's lots of nice handheld, you know, sort of um, first person camera shooting, which I thought was quite good. Um, yeah someone like comes out and they shoot them and there's a girl there and there's one there and you don't quite you still don't quite know why but you know that they've gone back to where he was held captive to somehow get revenge on these people or some people or something there there's a mysterious black container yeah um he keeps looking out the window going oh what's in the black container i couldn't see the black container at first and i'm like well a i can just see some trees and then michael fassbender uh, this is like modern times now. This is like sixty years or whatever on from four. Is now an evil horse slasher, and that's that's the first sort of thirty-five minutes. Yep, um, which I quite enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was the first forty-four minutes. Okay, I've written this down, and then then there was that fucking zombie demon horse attack. Yes. Lol zombie okay. horse attack is my is my note. Because they yeah, basically the people that were living in the farmhouse where they went back to get revenge on were kind of defeating a bigger evil and saving the world. And they were doing something a bit evil, feeding this demon whatever blood from someone that they kidnapped for the greater good. He didn't realise what the greater good was, went back, demon gets out, bada boom, bada bing. The demon, demon fastbender, who looks once when you finally see him, looks quite cool. A sort of yellowy guard kind of look, I thought was quite was quite good. He like slashes a horse. I haven't really got anything else. So yeah, so um, we'll talk about this anyway. But um, yeah, so Michael Fassbender um, kills a horse and he brings a horse back to life. Um, and the horse then like smashes through the window because Fassbender, evil Fassbender, can't get in to the house because they've painted runes or rune signs on all the doors and windows and the rune signs are Nordic and old and ancient and they protect and prevent him from being able to get into the house. So, but they don't prevent the horse. So he kills the horse, revives the horse, and then the horse breaks into the house. The horse smashes through a window. Um, so this is Fassbender's basically, this is his, his way of doing it, is that he can't get into the house. So he has to kill and revive other people and things and get them to break into smash through the house and attack the the people i just saying about what he does which is nice yes mm. i did enjoy that but after that scene i thought the film just went to pieces there is that was where it was supposed to be starting for me i thought the film was going to start it, didn't, it just fizzled out and did fuck all there's a lot that if you think about it for more than about 10 seconds doesn't make any sense at all yeah there are holes in this that you could drive a massive horse through um a killer murderous horse because right it all boils down to um evil fassbender needs to release his third eye um it doesn't say uh what race the um the nationality the third eye is it, it could be asian um but yeah so he needs blood Birth, that was his name. He needs blood in order to um, open his third eye in his head. So um, so he's like, they've got him. He's in there. He's on their farm. He can't get into their house. He needs blood. Why, are they, why don't they just, like, not give him any blood? And starve him. Yeah. I don't. Why yeah. don't they just stay in the house where he can't get in, not feed him? The, innocent, the blood of innocent people and like just be all right 
so I think they're kind of by doing that they're sedating him so he doesn't go out on a, a killer rampage in the world I, that's the impression I got they're kind of there's been generations mm -hmm. in the family do that to keep him sedated so he doesn't go a bit nutty on the solar eclipse which it just happened to be eventually he drinks some blood he gets some more blood and he gets his third eye because he catches up with um, Prison Blake guy who he captured and he sort of they have like a one-on-one a, a -on -one, and he says to him like oh I could see that you were nasty and I let you go so you you'd come back and then he could be released uh, yeah I was confused and it's like well that's point you don't need him you just need to have more blood and if you have more blood so that didn't make any sense at all no a why kidnap him b why let him go on the basis that he would definitely come back when he meant nothing he was just another person they didn't know who he was he was there's nothing about man from what's the film he's in grave stalkers did you say he was in grave dolls okay yeah there's nothing about him at any point do they say like oh he's the son of the son of hitler's wife or something like that it, it, i don't well, not know i don't think that just that there's a lot of this that didn't kind of make sense and in the end superman um they have to catch him but they have, they have to get him back so he can't drink his own blood that's right he has to drink blood of other people it can't be his own family yeah so he can't be his own family so he has to um uh, hang on a minute we've forgotten that he's made some armor from the bones of his family which which contains their blood and he can't attack the armor. <laughs> I mean, saying it now, it almost doesn't make sense. He can't drink his own blood or his own family's blood. So he can't drink blood. His bones, there's not fucking blood in the bones. But anyway, so he can't drink the blood in the bones of the armor that he's made from the bones of his family. So so what they say, so what Superman does is they, the, in the black container where his previous blood slave was, Superman goes in and like ties him, pretends to like tie himself up. So he can be like a blood sacrifice. Fassbender's not at all suspicious of this, even though these people have been clearly trying to like kill him and destroy him. He goes and he's like, "Ah, I see you've you've willingly tied yourself up so that I can feed from you. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah." After I've been quite happily feeding from the rest of the family for the last twenty minutes, and he's not suspicious of that at all, because the basis is that he's um, poisoned. He's taken some blood from the bones of the armor, so that when he drinks his when he drinks Superman's blood, he'll inadvertently take some of the blood from the bones of his family, which he does, but it does absolutely fuck all. <laughs> it makes him go, he doesn't die, he doesn't get weaker, um, he, he just sort of carries on. As he's drinking blood, he does seem to be getting stronger because he keeps ripping off various different mm. masks and looking younger. The second fucking terrible CGI mess of a mask that he ripped off it went up in like flames. And I thought it looked stuff. quite good. Like, oh, I really? Right, yeah. And I was only watching on like a DVD, but I thought it was obviously like I've seen a lot worse CGI and a lot more expensive films. Right. Okay. But I thought, yeah, when he did get to the, the leathery sort of yellow skin, I thought that looked it looked quite good. And there's some yeah, quite I... good killings in it. Where to be fair, when they kill people, there's some quite good cuttings up and killings and stuff like that. It's quite bloody and gory and violent. Yeah. It just makes no sense. I can't, I don't oh, even write down how they kill him. How did they kill him in the end? Gerald, how did they kill Blood Creek? <laughs> it wasn't bad though. No, it wasn't bad. It wasn't no, bad. this is the thing. I finished it. When it finished, I went, I'm going to watch that again in about two years' time. Yep. No question about it. It was, it was, it was entertaining. And it didn't so, set up at any point. It was not, wasn't slow. It wasn't dull. It was very silly and it was good fun. So, one actor we haven't mentioned is Ralph Wiggum. Shay Wiggum. The guy from, have you seen Agent Carter? No, I haven't, so I don't know who that is. Oh, God. What else is Shay Wiggum? Oh, hang on. Been? No, I know I do. Yeah, um, I do know you mean. Only because there's only like one other person in it that we haven't spoken about, so it's bound to be yeah. him. That I vaguely recognise. Do look. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there was a point where he may. They had him, he was in the container, wasn't he? And they rescued him from the container? Yes. Yes. They took him into the house and he escaped and he went under 
the, 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 the wooden thing that people have in their gardens. What's that called? Lattice. Lattice. No, it's not. I know. Um, I can't remember. Was he under there for about 30 minutes while <laughs> everything else happened? Didn't he, hang on, is he the one that then comes back? Well, because someone, yeah, Fassbender kills and revives and they come back into the house, didn't they? And yes. that him? Yeah, him. Right. He escaped from the house. Yeah, I don't know he, what happened with him. There was whole periods where I didn't know where he was or what he was doing and I thought he was dead and then he wasn't dead yeah. and then he shows up again and I didn't know what was going on. And yeah. I watched this film, I should point out, I was entirely straight sober in any way there was nothing impairing my judgment whatsoever i sat i concentrated on and watched this film pausing occasionally to make notes and it made and i'd say the weird thing is at the end of it i thought yeah i enjoyed that joel schumacher some of his films might be a bit crap but they're never not entertaining so one last thing i need to speak about on this film the ending was that supposed to be a twist and if so what the fuck was it well, it turns out, was it, there were eight others, weren't there? So, yeah. they say at the end, because he um, finds like a map or they, he draws like an, a, a swastika on a map or something. And that shows the location of eight other farms where were eight other rune stones. Yeah, so it looks yeah. like this is setting this up for eight sequels. <laughs> so far, we don't seem to have had, or they've, you know, maybe they've been made with a lesser cast. I don't know. I don't think, <laughs> I would love to see, Michael Fassbender and Henry Cavill in Blood Creek Nine. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be better than than. And, than for some, and for some reason, at the end, they burnt the farm down. But I don't know why. Um, so yeah, it definitely set ends ends in a sort of Salem's Lot kind of way in terms of like they're off to go and kill all the other ones. Basically, that was my reading of it. Okay, my reading was the guy from Hellraiser Eight was going around to destroy the other ones and stop yeah. this evil. Whereas the guy with the really wide head was like, I want this power now. I'm going to be a baddie. I thought they were setting up for yeah. Okay. I didn't, I mean, I may have missed he that. Went back to the, he went back to the burnt down farmyard and and was basically masturbating on the stone. He was like, oh, I found the stone, the stone is still here. Oh, yeah. And then it, it was just that look at the camera. Was that supposed to be some kind right. of twist? Maybe this is where it ties back to when Fassbender let him... Well, maybe that's why. Perhaps there's some missing scenes here where they explain why he was captured and why it made sense when he says, I let you go because I can see it in you, and then I came back. And Maybe he is important, but as far as I don't remember them ever explaining why he was important, if he was important, but that would make a bit more sense. But all we know about him is that he, he went to... Iraq or whatever and that and then he came back and got captured and escaped and came back and killed him and now maybe he's the but what I don't yeah I don't know I'm wondering if there is a big twist here but it was so subtle that Vicky's like I didn't get it perhaps this is like a, a masterpiece perhaps there's a lot going but this is like Christopher Nolan level mm, the next like... one was going to be good versus evil brother versus brother superman so that... versus wide headed man <laughs> So that like maybe like in all Christopher Nolan films, art Batman ones, um, we're supposed to have we have to go. Oh yeah, no, that definitely made sense. Mm, yeah, I, I definitely understood that because I'm really clever. Not what a load of fucking pretentious bollocks. But this wasn't. This was entertaining bollocks. Was the demon called Bert? I've written down that someone called the demon Bert. Well, the character's name was was Berth. Berth. I thought yeah. it was Bert. No, I okay. yeah, I've got Verth written down here. When I got halfway down the first page, um, I stopped referring to him as Evil Fassbender, um, as Verth. Load up the guns, Evan. Yeah, uh, always carry a rabies vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's probably so. Um, using your rating system, which Nazi is this film? Uh, I was going to give this the Hitler, but <laughs> I mean, but... It's, it's, that's a lot. Out, out of the three, but now we spoke about it, it's really highlighted that it was quite ridiculous and didn't make a lot of fucking sense. So maybe it's Eva Brown. I might have to give this one another Goebbels. I mean, uh, on the basis that Goebbels is, has probably got the funniest name of all of the, the famous Nazis, I reckon maybe it's a Goebbels. Yeah, okay. That's official then. Goebbels okay. out of ten. 
Next up we have Dudsner. I reckon that's how it's pronounced. Why well, don't know? D O with a slash to it, D S N O with a slash to it. Isn't that with a slash to it means zero? D zero D zero did S N zero. Yeah, that's that's catchy. Yeah, I like it. Three, no, no, Dead Snow. So um, these all all three films were from around the same time. Um, this was also from two thousand nine, same as Blood Creek, and yet somehow this one's much much better known. Um, directed by um, uh, Tommy Burkola, who I think went on to do Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters after this. I think this kind of catapulted oh, him into um, into Hollywood, and the uh, and. Yeah, um, I saw this around, I think, when it came out. When did you see Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters? I think when that came out. Right. Probably about 2011 or 12, maybe. Some shit. I don't know. I don't. I just remember that, for some reason, I remember Dead Snow coming out, everyone liking Dead Snow, and the director then like making a Hollywood film, and I have a feeling it was Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. If only we had some sort of weird database online about which we could find this out um while i have a quick a quick look dead snow here we go yo 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 director tommy vercola who was born in norway trivia director 11 films okay so all right okay he, he seems to have made something which is the ripoff kill bill called kill bullho the movie then he did <laughs> dead snow then he did Kurt Josef Wagler Oglegendum of Fjord Hexe. It's a classic. It's a good one, that one. Ah, uh, yes. And then he did Hansen and Gretel Witch Hunters. Then he did Dead Snow 2. Uh, and then he did What Happened to Monday. Um, that was three years ago. And he's done fuck all else since. Um, yes, so Dead Snow. Um, Norwegian horror before Troll Hunter, or maybe around the same time as Troll Hunter. Not that it's really relevant. I just couldn't think of any other Norwegian horrors. See, I'd have totally said Troll Hunter. It was a completely different time. That was um, well. This that. is only based on because we did that in the 2010 Cowfest. So, and this is 2009. That's what's making me thinking. It must be around the same time. Um, a a group of uh, Norwegians uh, go to a cabin in not well, sort of in the woods, but in like the snowy forest, forest more than the woods. And this is it's an area of Finnmark. And I thought Finnmark is that a thing? And Finnmark is a place. That's where they did it. Um, but apparently it's an area where the Nazis um, in World War Two were in um, and then the Russians, the Russian advance started coming. And so they were a bit like, or oh, we're a bit fucked. They killed those people and then the people killed them back. And then no one knows what happened to them. And mysterious things have happened since. It's a basic setup. Yeah. It's a cabin in the woods film. But they make reference to... Um, I think it's Finnmark, and I kept thinking that's just Finland and Denmark, isn't it? That's not that's not a real place, but apparently it is a real place um, because they filmed it. When I, I started watching the bit of the making of, and I stopped because I got bored, and I think it said that it was Finnmark. But anyway, that's it's basically a yeah, it's it's a cabin in the snowy woods. This is the one I've written the least about because I thought, oh, I know this film. I've seen it loads of times. I thought exactly the same. Um, this is the last one I watched. I watched it about seven eight hours ago i thought I, I won't i've seen this at least three times before um yeah so i'll uh, yeah be fine and i again i've written i've written about the same as i have for outpost actually and yeah but it's the one that i was most familiar with of the three right i what i thought i was most familiar with and realized yeah. it wasn't it's the one that i remembered yeah. bits from but not many bits kind of just a a parody of horror films almost but it's done subtly which i like it does all the common traits but it does them on purpose when i first watched it like most people at the time i absolutely loved it it was a kind of a breath of fresh air it was a zombie films i mean it's difficult to do stuff that also we should point out that nazi zombies and nazis and stuff there hadn't been a funny Nazi zombie film for a while. So it was it was a bit of a, a bit of a like, oh what's this foreign film? Um oh it's funny and it's bloody and it's got Nazis in the snow and it's like oh great and it kind of broke out it, it people that watched horror films, a lot of people watched it, a lot of people liked it. Um I absolutely loved it at the time. Watched it again this time, still really, really liked it, but I found the characters 
quite annoying this time. Forty-six okay. uh, year old me found them a lot more irritating than thirty-five year old me did. You see, I didn't find them annoying. I found them very underwhelming. Mm. Um, the the outpost film. That's where I found people fucking annoying. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I mean, there, there's no comparison. At least to be fair, the, the in a relatively brief period of time. What they did well with this was that within probably 15, 20 minutes, you pretty much knew the characters of all the characters. Either because yeah. they openly said it. There's a scene that the opening scene, well, there's a very brief opening scene, um, which we'll come back to. But in the first five minutes, you see the male characters driving up and you see the female characters driving up. And by the end of that five minutes, you pretty much know the basic character outline of everybody. They've described yeah. the character, and they're the characters you expect in a slasher film. I'm not sure if I would call this a slasher, but no, I wouldn't. No, but in a, a in a uh, not, the, not the slasher. Yeah, you've got the, yes, exactly. You know who the yeah you've got the the world's biggest film nerd character. Um, he did annoy me a little bit more this time. The first time I watched it, he's great because he's he's got a brain dead T shirt and he's got all these things and he's cool. Now I just found him a bit of a dick, but that's fine. Um, but yes, yeah, so you know that the girls go up and the girls are, the three girls are in the car and they're like, so tell me about the boys. And they go, well, this one's like the best one. He's my boyfriend. This one's someone else's boyfriend. Erland is the world's biggest film nerd. And other one is the horniest man in Norway or something. And that was basically, so you know what you've got there. You're going to have the nerd, the horny wants to fuck everyone who doesn't even at any point try and fuck everyone doesn't come across as particularly horny erland's the horny one um and then the blokes uh like oh, it's, oh that's my girlfriend this one's really really she's very single so you're like okay fine um but yeah they get there and you go fine i know who's i know who's probably gonna still be with us in 70 minutes time do you think they did that on purpose do yes. you think the nerdy guy was the one that got laid because we're subverting your expectations here. I think they had a lot of purpose to what they were doing. They were very, they knew about horror films. They thought we're going to, hundred percent, yeah. But we're going to, we're going to fuck with you a bit. We're yeah. about Because straight away, when they get there, the the nerdy guy is the um, making references to horror films and stuff, and hot girl who would, and later turns out to be pretty disgusting. Let's be honest, but we'll come back to that. Um, <laughs> Is like also is like correcting him on horror films and chipping in on horror. And you're like, oh, that's subverted things. You've got a yeah. sort of an attractive single woman who knows about like horror. To be fair though, say she knows about horror films, and I only got this from the trivia on IMDb. She gets the year of April Fool's Day wrong. Oh, it's so shameful. <laughs> he comes because to be fair, yeah, because Erland the nerd guy comes and says, oh, um, this is you know basically says this is like the setup for a horror film but how many uh, the kids go to a cabin in the woods isn't this just like every horror film and evil dead and she goes and then she surprises him by going ah april fool's day considered a classic from 1984 or something and someone has gone on to andy being gone actually she was wrong <laughs> but um yes yeah, so that's they set it up quickly efficiently and very well in terms of who the characters are why they're going what are they going to do? Um, and you just go, yep, fine, bring it on. What are the people's motivations in this? They're just on holiday, yeah. but they find some treasure in a in a nook in the floor. Yeah, he's he's looking for and then, and then um, the Nazis just want their treasure back. This is where, whilst it seems that that is the case, because before we get onto the treasure, you've got the harbinger, because they one of the birds goes for a piss. One of the ladies goes to urinate um, and she thinks she sees someone and then um, they get a knock on the door and there's a like a, a bloke, a 40, 50-year-old bloke, whatever, knocks on the door and just goes, yeah. can I have a coffee? And they're like, yeah, fine, just come in, mate. Don't ask him who oh, he is or anything. It's irrelevant because I thought that was just fucking filler. You're going to explain it all to me now, aren't you? Well, he comes in and like gives them the background. He, he does the yeah. old, um, oh, you kids, you're just here to have a laugh. You don't look into the history of the place. And he's the one who gives them the story of the Nazis in the area sort of thing. He doesn't mention treasure or anything. Just says that um, maybe they're buried in the snow or who knows where the Nazis are and, and everything. And they're like, yeah, okay, fine. Um, they give him a coffee. He, 
and then he fucks off at that. So yeah, so they find they find a box of treasure um, in the cabin, and it's only after they kind of find treasure that Nazi stuff starts happening. But if that is the case, why in the very opening brief scene of the film, the pre-credit scene of the film, when one of the characters' girlfriends who is travelling to the cabin separately on her own, why does she get attacked and killed by the Nazis if they're after their treasure? Because no one's stolen their treasure at this point. She's just snowboarding across on her own and you sort of see her get attacked by Nazis with no motivation. You're saying it's more of a turf war? Well, I don't know. It just seems that maybe the Nazis are just like, oh, just gonna, they're just Nazis. And Nazis are, I mean, they're considered unpleasant. Um, yeah. That's where the treasure thing falls down, because otherwise, why would they kill her if it was about treasure? You've gone way too deep now, or I'm way too stoned. But then they find the treasure, and that's when people start dying, basically. That's when the Nazis rise up and start killing people. So we'll say that, yeah, it's about the treasure. So, yeah, so they, they get a bit pissed and have a laugh, and then the... the the, the nerdy Erland, the nerdy film guy, and the, um, the, the oh, that's a surprise, hot girl who knows about films sort of thing. Yeah. He announces that he's off for a shit. So he goes off for a shit, and the hot girl's like, oh, okay. She, she follows him out. He's on the toilet. He's, he's, he's out of shit. You know, he's wiped his ass. She, she comes in to the, to the toilet. Um, and this is where, at this point, you're thinking, like, oh, she's a cool character. And then... She, he's just wiped his ass, like pretty much with his hand. She takes his hand and put it, even uh, despite his protestations, puts it in her mouth. And he's like, oh, and then pops on his cock. Bam, there you go. So he was shitting with a hard on because there's no like, she's like, oh, yeah, hang on. Here we go. And then they're away. And he's like, he was having a shit 30 seconds ago. Found that scene very fucking disturbing. I did not understand the sexuality that was going no, on there. This is very, very weird. This is the like she's like, oh, I, I'm attracted to the big fat drunk guy who's just like on in an outside privy who's just like chat and wipe his ass, and she hops onto his, you would think, flaccid penis if he's been on bog having shit, but no, apparently not. Apparently he's shitting with a boner. Um, and she sucks his shitty fingers, and then at that point, I'm like, "Yeah, I don't. You're not the hot girl anymore." <laughs> no, that. that but mm. if it wasn't there, we wouldn't be speaking about it now. Well, exactly. So, that was, to be fair, when we were saying before that this is the film about which I remember the most. That's the bit I remembered more than anything else. <laughs> that's <laughs> the, the fat film guy gets ridden by a hot girl while he's on the toilet. That was the one thing that I remembered, but it's not pleasant. That was my biggest takeaway from this, and that's the bit that will stay with me. But there are other redeeming pictures. I still liked it, but yes, I definitely found I was finding more problems with it this time. I was uh, not wanting to, but there were much more things this time around that I was like, oh, yeah, no, actually, uh, yeah, no. Nah, uh, and I was finding more negatives than positives, even though there were positives. The gore is good. It's very bloody at yeah. times. It looks fantastic. And they, they lucked out on the blood and guts on snow. It looks brilliant. On the Blu-ray, it looks, looks crisp and clean and lovely. And it looks it's really well shot. And there's some good brain head splittings and stuff and good killings and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, creative, creative kills, which I always like. Yes. So, and it, yeah, it, it looks great. Um, yeah, and actually, you know, what I wrote down here is that now, with hindsight, 11 years further down the line, it succeeds more on its novelty factor at the time. Now, it doesn't stand up as well as it did. When it came out, it was a bit of a, oh, and now it's like, oh, okay, that was good. Nazi zombies are cool. There'd been a few before it, but that was the one that really fucking took it and ran with it at the time. And it's got some great, there's, I laughed a number of times. Um, (laughs) I did laugh again at the, when they're making, they're in the cabin, there's two guys in the cabin and the guy's making like Molotov, a Molotov cocktail to throw out the window. <laughs> and he's just yeah. like the worst throw ever. He just uh, throws it about like two yards and sets fire to the cabin. I uh, maybe laugh yeah. again, just because. No, I thought that was good. It was rubbish. <laughs> and he, he calls the, that's the guy, because the guy calls the police. Oh, and he's like, oh, panicking and like, oh, we're, was it, we're under attack from what seems to be Germans from the Second World War. Uh, and we set fire to the cabin. The policeman obviously hangs up. And the other guy says to him, he's like, oh, they hung up. And he's like, yes, it sounds like you've smoked your underpants. 
which I didn't know was a thing, and I whether, might try whether, it. Whether this is mistranslation in the subtitles, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that that I mean, I laughed. Possibly, I just did. That seemed odd. Um, <laughs> just seemed like an odd, an odd thing to to say. Nazis, and they 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 look pretty decent. They look pretty evil and nasty and vicious. They're still zombies, and therefore they're still a bit rubbish. So, like, you can kill them really easily, and they they're not very good. You know, they're a bit rubbish. It's Dead Snow the one with the jet ski. The guy has to go. Yes. Yeah. He gets. He's got a machine. He has a machine gun on his jet ski. He um he fell into a fucking cave, knocked himself out for a couple of hours, climbed out, got a torch and went back in. Why did he go back in? I don't know. Um, I missed where he got the machine gun from as well, but uh, it's probably clearly explained and I just didn't look at that point. But suddenly he's got like a proper mounted gun on the front of his jet ski. Yeah. I think we probably went and had a pee at the same time. The key, the key question, are they zombie Nazis or Nazi zombies? Because they were Nazis first before they became zombies. So I think that makes them zombie Nazis. But uh, no, I mean, it's still it's still a good, funny film. If you haven't seen it before, uh, it's fun and watch it. It had a lot more impact 10, 11 years ago than it does now. It still stands up, but it doesn't stand up quite as well. Um, fun, but less fun on later repeat viewings. Sequel's good. Is it? No, I don't mm. know if I've seen Sequel's what good. Sequel, uh, Death Snow 2, Red or Dead, I think, and it kind of bring, it brings Russians into into play. So it brings you have the Nazis and you have the Russians rising, Russian right. army zombies. From memory, um, is good. It's worth seeing. I might have seen it. Was it a lot? Was it a lot more jokes and just? It's definitely it? quite funny. I remember it's got a character who sort of. Um, I think like has something like lodged in their head the entire time, and they're just sort of wandering around and and being. I just remember it being good, but also I remember this being very good, and it is still good. But it's, yeah. but I would say yeah, sequel's good as well. And again, not not a bad film anyway. This of the three films, it's does this get the Hitler? None of them get the Hitler. No, I would say that if we had gone with one of the original options, which was Frontier. That might have got Hitler. But I don't think any of these... I, I think... Yeah, I don't know. Ilsa would have got Hitler. But we didn't go for yeah. nasty, nasty, tortury ones who went more for fun, modern zombies. Nazis. Fun, fun interpretations of the Holocaust. <laughs> yeah, fun Nazis. Yeah, Nazis... Yeah, not Nazis doing it while it was going on. Nazis that have come back in modern times. <laughs> I'm just trying to think... Um, Mengele... <laughs> No, Joseph Mengler, that's the other one. He was the one who was kind of the head of all the like, experiments in the concentration camps. It's he probably not him. Yeah. I mean, so whilst, I whilst he wasn't the most fun one, he was probably the most inventive. Maybe this is the Joseph Mengler. I'll give, I'll give Dead Snow the Mengler as well. But yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, that's, that's the three films we chose, three um, Nazi-based horror films. Um, all... I mean, relatively, uh, relatively fun. I mean, they are fun. Dead Snow is is clearly a horror. It's effectively a horror comedy. It's an over the top Evil Dead Two style horror comedy with lots of spatter and fun and silliness. Blood Creek is not intentionally a comedy, but it's wild and crazy and good fun. Um, Outpost is not particularly funny, but it's also not particularly earnest and it's a bit silly. And it's uh, of the ranking of the three, and obviously not based on Nazis, but um, in terms of Best, second best, and third best. So, based on current viewing figures, which would mm. have been very different, yeah, fucking ten years ago. For this one, I think the one I got the most out of was Blood Creek. I would have to say I agree. Um, and then second, second, I think I'm going to go Outpost because I hadn't because it was kind of new to me. I hadn't, I didn't remember I, seeing it. I before. would still put. Dead Snow over Outpost, but what the surprise, the pleasant surprise was was Blood Creek, I have to say, on the basis that I, I'm surprised that I'd never heard of it before, considering its uh, pedigree is probably the wrong word, but considering who's involved, considering yeah. what it's got involved in it, considering that it's around the time when we were first kind of watching and talking about films, the fact that I'd never heard of this film before surprised me, and how much I enjoyed it surprised me. So that was a nice 
surprise. Yeah, I liked it. I, I find it weird that it didn't get the ex any exposure. Yeah, I, I, that, that I've never, that I've literally never heard of it. Um, not even by another name. Not even in a hey, look, everyone, this is one of Henry Cavill's first films. Not as particularly not in a this is one of Michael Fassbender's first films. That was the real surprise when I saw his name pop up. I have to say. And that was um, that was our first uh, episode of the this podcast smells like death. This podcast smells like Nazis. So for the next one, you pick a theme and the first film, and I'll pick the other two films. Don't have to do it now, unless you've already got something in mind. I think what we should do is pick the theme and the first film, and then the two that you choose is a surprise for the next bit. If you have these things already in mind, then... I don't, so there might be a bit of thinking involved. <laughs> well, that's fine, because you can just record yourself saying it and then stick it in the edit. No, don't worry, I'll do it now. The film is The Dinner Party, and, spoiler alert, the subject is Occult Rituals. <sighs> Seamless. That's probably the end of the podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for, for listening. Um, if you want to get in touch with us um smells of death at gmail.com we're on twitter at at smells of death um i'm on twitter at dpm74 you're not really on twitter anymore no so that's no good but if you want to suggest themes we will probably ignore you but you never know if you want to at me and say that was amazing if you want to accuse us of racism sexism um homophobia uh transphobia um anything else if you have accents you want to discuss you can do so um on any of those ways we've got a website but there's nothing on it um i haven't signed this up to youtube yet um thank you everyone that was amazing we're gonna i'm gonna stop it stop. bye bye <laughs>